welcome to the Quarter to Three Podcast. I'm Jason McMaster, and uh, we're coming to you in the week of... First week of October, I believe. And uh, my game of the week is not Farmville 1 or 2, so I kind of doubled up. Uh, Hello, my name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Pokemon Black version 2. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, so that's this week. It is this week, yeah, this weekend. Uh, McMaster, will you be getting Pokemon Black or Pokemon White? Which which way do you swing? I actually did get... uh, I got both of them last time. I I got one for me and one for Sarah to try, and... uh, I, it was okay. I, I don't know. Which one did you choose for yourself, and which one did you give to your lovely wife? I believe I, I let her pick, and I think that she chose black. No, she oh. chose white. Oh, okay. No, she chose Pokemon white, I think. All right. And and you took the, the, the black evil Pokemon. Because that, yeah. that, I don't know if that's, you know, that's, that's how Pokemon breaks out. Black is evil, white is good. You know, the black Pokemon is the evil one. And it's like people who insist that the Horde in World of Warcraft is not evil and the Alliance is not good, I never trust those people. And I feel the same way about... I'm sure there's someone out there who's going to tell me that Pokemon Black is not bad guy Pokemons. I don't trust anybody who tries to tell me that. And nor, nor should you. You have to question your information and your source. McMaster, what is new in Pokemon Black version 2? Um... I don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming there's some uh, new Pokemon. Ah, yes. Okay. I'm thinking. Uh, Look forward to that. Now, by the way, before we start, uh, I just have to clarify something from last week. Uh, we have on on the front page of quarter to three a search box for Amazon.com, and if you go over there and you search for what you want to buy, and you then buy it from within that box. Or you look for it in that box, and then it takes you to Amazon, and you buy it. You support quarter to three. You know, we basically get. Like a few, it's almost literally like a few cents from stuff that you buy, but it adds up and it's a cool little tip to us, and we appreciate that. Uh, last week, I was pointing out that I could see what people bought, but I just want to uh, put your mind at ease. I cannot see who bought what. <laughs> so you are buying things perfectly anonymously. I see what's being bought, but I can't see who's buying things. So, for instance... If you were the guy, and McMaster, this is actual, if you were the guy or gal who bought the fake poo and the the uh, fart spray, uh, I don't know who you are. I just know that you bought that and we got 15 cents from one and 17 cents from the other. Uh, but your, your identity is safe. Uh, so just so you know, uh, feel free to buy whatever you like uh, and I won't be any the wiser. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, McMaster, let's turn this week to video games uh, and some maybe some news and some games of the week. Sure. But before we start, uh, as, as you as you know, uh, I've been doing. I don't normally play sports games, but I feel that it's not fair that I don't review them. So, occasionally on this podcast, I will review a sport game. And I, I want to keep up with that trend. I have one here. So, McMaster, if you'll indulge me for a moment, I'm going sure. to review. Uh, oh, now, when I reviewed Nihil 13, someone emailed me and they explained, you don't say, you sound out the letters. You say NHL 13. So, based on that, I now know how to correctly say the name of this game I'm about to review. It's called FIFA Soccer 13. 
So here's my review of FIFA Soccer 13. Uh, let's see. Uh, God, I can't read this. I have to, uh, EA Sports FIFA Soccer 13 First Touch Control creates a true battle for possession while attacking intelligence delivers unprecedented freedom and creativity. So that's my first point about it. <clears throat> yeah. My second point, uh, experience the drama and emotion of the season with EA Sports Football Club Match Day. Okay, mm. so it's got that one too. And then in closing, I would say about FIFA thir- Soccer 13, build, manage, and compete with or against the world's best players in FIFA Ultimate Team. So there you go. A quick word about the graphics. Uh, on the cover of the box, it features a young fella who, um, I want to be delicate here. I don't want to offend anyone, but I think he's got a kind of a learning disability or something. He has a very eager look on his face. Uh, he's obviously having a good time. And I applaud that. Uh, he looks very joyous, uh, and I just feel bad for whatever disability he's suffering from, but I'm glad that he can play this sport. So all in all, I give FIFA Soccer 13 uh, three stars. I, uh, I must admit, yeah, I like the cover. It's nice. I don't know. I mean, it's mean. I didn't want to be mean, but I felt the need to point out that the game is... On the cover, it's featuring a guy who's got some sort of a disability. I don't know what it is, but it's it's an equal opportunity sports cover thing, and I applaud that. Good for you, EA. You know what? I'm going up to four stars for that. So yeah, you should. I think I think that would be fair. Yeah, four stars for FIFA Soccer 13. So there you go. There's my sports review, McMaster. Let's talk some news of the week. What do you have for our news of the week on this early October date? Well, uh, I have uh, some interesting news. Cliff Blazinski leaves Epic. Where is he going? Uh, like, wait, 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 wait. You mean like for the day because it's 5 o'clock? Like that kind of leaves Epic? Yeah, yeah. He just went home. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I don't I, I, uh He's moving on to the next stage of his career. Ah, so it's, it wasn't like it's going. Okay, it wasn't one of those. I'm leaving to spend more time with my family, or I'm leaving to found a new startup, or I'm leaving because these guys are jerks. It's just the next stage of his career, kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, that's that's kind of what he's saying here. Yeah, that next stage guy. Okay, McMaster, I want you to close your eyes mm-hmm. without any visual aids. Spell Blazinski. Oh, jeez. B-L-E-S-Z-I-N-S-K-I? The thing is, well, I probably shouldn't challenge you to that kind of, like, quiz question when I don't know the answer myself. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to say, yeah, you got it. Uh, You win. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, interesting. It's been, you know, Cliff is a big part of that company. I'm kind of curious to see what happens. Uh, and we also we don't call him Cliffy B anymore. I think he's no, no, he's moved past that, right? Yeah, I mean, though according to this, his t- his Twitter is still the real Cliffy B. So I mean, can you change a, a Twitter handle? Like, can you be? I don't like my other my Twitter handle. That's kind of like you're kind of locked in, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, if the other one's available, sure. But uh, you know, you can just start a new account. I don't think you're going to change it now. McMaster, what's your Twitter handle? McMaster, which causes a lot of grief, actually, because of McMaster University. (laughs) 
I, I'm constantly getting uh, tweets from people at McMaster. So, I mean, one day I, I thought it would be funny to say um, that I was giving away free Xboxes in the quad. And uh, there, was, <laughs> there was a bunch of, bunch of tweets that day from the faculty. Oh, wait, you haven't actually done this because I think you totally should. No, I did. I did. I, I said that, and then there was like three or four responses saying, at McMaster's, not McMaster University, and all this. It was pretty funny. Very good. <laughs> uh, all right, so my news of the week uh, is, uh, excuse me, I have to cough. That was not my news of the week. That was a normal biological reaction. I, I have more to say. Uh, my news of the week is, if you're a Mass Effect 3 fan, tomorrow... That's uh, October 4th, uh, uh, patch 4 for Mass Effect 3. So here we are, over six months after the release of the game, uh, and they're releasing a pretty substantial patch, which, you know, may not be a big deal. It's probably just little fixes or things that the last patch broke. Uh, So I was curious to see, well, what would be in a patch 4? So I was looking at the patch notes, and it, it, sure enough, it's got a lot of fixes, but a lot of it reads like balancing stuff in a competitive real-time strategy game. Things like, you know, changes to how skills and weapons work and how much damage something does. And it looks like they're reworking parts of the skill tree where a perk you used to get at the fifth stage is moved up to the third stage. And the perk that it was at the second stage is now the seventh stage, but it now does damage over time instead of spike damage. Like, it's crazy it's crazy significant revisions to the way some of the the combat stuff works, uh, which strikes me as a little odd so long after the release, and specifically for something that's only single player. Uh, You know, why... I I understand tuning the experience, but why this late in the game do they feel the need to make these kind of dramatic changes? Uh, It is a little strange. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's... Are people still playing through the single player like over and over again is there is it is it something like dark souls that encourages grinding like that i I don't i don't think it is but maybe that's part of what's going on and they've just identified things that need to be ironed out who knows but master how many times did you play through mass effect 3 uh just the once all right well maybe if you go back it'll feel all new again because the perk you got at the second stage of whatever skill you used might now be at the fifth stage, and it'll feel like a different game. Well, that's true. That and the ending's different. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can see the new enhanced ending. Right. Yeah, I have not done that. All right. Well, uh, don't start today, McMaster. Wait till tomorrow when patch four comes out. All right. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Why would I even start today? It'd just be foolish. Yeah. Exactly. You'd get attached to one kind of skill tree, and then tomorrow it's different, and you don't want that. Uh, no, it's just make me sick. Uh, other minor news. Uh, oh, yeah, this isn't that minor. I'm actually kind of psyched about this. Uh, there was a game from a French developer who, uh, dadgummit, I should have looked up their name, uh, but they did a, a game called Endless, wait, Endless Space, yes. Uh, and it's a, a turn-based sci-fi strategy game. Uh, Endless Space came out, and it had a really weak AI, which is a huge problem for me, but I know a lot of folks still enjoyed it. It has its own kind of sexy, sleek uh, aesthetic to it. Uh, However, starting now, actually currently in effect, they released a free update that, amongst other things, they're claiming that it fixes the AI. Uh, Of course, most patches, you know, you can say that and people will 
read into what they see and they'll think, oh yeah, the AI is better. But one of the things I noticed in the patch notes for this update for Endless Space is that they list specifically how they have nerfed some of the AI values for combat. Like the AI used to get certain types of shielding and armor and all that stuff. They've taken that out because they feel the AI now doesn't need that help. And that that's, that kind of speaks volumes, I think. Um, yeah, that's awesome. But they've also added a new faction, um, oh. which is pretty cool. There's like automatons now. They're, I guess, robots, you, you figure. Uh, so you can now play the automatons in Endless Space. Uh, and I believe these were added by a fan. I mean, this is this was a mod sort of a situation that is now incorporated officially into the game with the latest update. So if you've been holding out on Endless Space, or if you were like me and you had some reservations about the state of its release, now might be a good time to go back and take a look. Uh-huh. All right, McMaster, let's now get to the heart of this week's podcast. That is our Games of the Week. Now, let me just ask you a yes-no question, McMaster. I'm not trying to trip you up here. Yes yeah. or no, is your Game of the Week some variation of Borderlands 2? It is not. Okay, in that case, I want to just talk with you briefly. So you did. You finished up uh, Borderlands 2 like a first playthrough, right? Yes. And on the PC, I believe. Right, right. So, yeah, I'm probably about two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of the way through the game on uh, 360, but I uh, finished it with a character on the PC. Now, was that because you were partial ultimately to it on the PC, or did you just fall in with a bunch of PC ne'er-do-wells? I fell in with a bunch of PC ne'er-do-wells, so it just kind of just happened. Those folks, you got to watch out for them. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. They're dangerous, dangerous lot. Okay, without spoiling anything, uh, what are your thoughts now that you've uh, gone all the way through a, a first playthrough? Um, I like the ending quite a bit more than the first Borderlands, which, I mean, is not hard to do. And um, I'm looking forward to the, the the true Vault Hunter difficulty level. I started it, and I've been playing around with it, and it's certainly a lot more difficult. Okay, now here's what I'm wondering about. So that that is what they're calling the new game plus mode, basically, mm-hmm. is true Vault Hunter? Mm-hmm. And does does it just give monsters more hit points? The rewards greater? What 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 do you get for playing true Vault Hunter? What does that um, mean? You get a lot more experience, but the monsters do hit a lot harder and have a lot more health. So it, it's kind of a trade off. Um, but the uh, the the, the uh, loot is a lot better too. So yeah. take that for what it is. You know, I mean, in the first few levels I played of. The true one, I got you know, grenades that were doing something like between three and fifteen thousand damage, depending. Uh, fifteen thousand. Yeah. Wait, did, yeah. you put, did you put the comma in the right place? Did you mean to say oh, fifteen hundred? Yeah. No, no, uh, because like they have, you know, they have those Merv grenades that spawn grenades everywhere, mm-hmm. and one of those that did like seven of those for several thousand apiece, and stuff like that. And it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, so, are you? Is your current plan like you? You do plan on pushing through the true Vault Hunter mode? Yeah, I'm thinking so. I wanna, I wanna see what happens. Uh, got a lot of the achievements so far, about thirty of fifty, and I wanna see if I can get as many of those as possible. And I'm guessing there's always badass ranks you could earn. There, there's always badass ranks. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, I've gotten a few of the achievements on this one character that gets you a hundred levels or whatever. Uh, the level five achievements do that. That's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of shooting. 
Uh, all right, so uh, Borderlands 2, good work. Uh, I'm... I'm I'm way behind, but I've been on the 360, and I, I had a little game I had to play uh, recently. So that's I've been away from Borderlands 2. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. And uh, all right, so then what if Borderlands 2 is not your game of the week because you already did it once for the 360, once for the PC? I was guessing maybe you were going to pick the PS3 version of Borderlands 2. But nah. if you if you haven't done that this week, then what? Jason B. McMaster is your game of the week. Uh, it's a game I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, it is Shadow Complex, the uh, extremely old uh, side-scrolling Castlevania, Metroidvania-style game for mm-hmm. the 360 that uh, hates gay people. <laughs> no, 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 we don't know that for sure. We just know that the well, guy who wrote the uh, backs is he credited as the writer or just the backstory? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's just like the backstory. He supplied the universe. Orson okay. Scott Card or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and he's a known. He's a he's a fairly renowned supporter of. Uh, I, I should say. Well, yeah, he supports groups that want to legislate against same-sex marriages. Right, right. It's a big Mormon thing, too. Right. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, I, uh, I, I've been thinking about the game a lot lately, and uh, I have played through Symphony of the Night enough times that I needed something different. And uh, yeah, so I picked that back up, and it's it's still a really good game. It turns out. Uh, what makes it good? It's so side scroller, two point five D, I think right. is what you call it. Uh, because it's, right. it's a full 3D engine, but you're only moving in in, in 2D basically. Correct. Uh, but it's you know it's modern day, and it has kind of a goofy like you know <laughs> shadow government kind of back you know, story thing going on to it. But uh, the, the gameplay itself is uh, is is really neat. It's uh, the way the characters move and everything has a has a great fluid movement to it that is uh, at the same time reminiscent of the you know, Symphony of the Night, the Metroid games, etc. Uh, while still moving in an interesting fashion and uh and one of the big things about it i guess is that it was developed by chair who went on to make infinity blade um for the apple whatever and um have done quite a few things uh but it was like kind of came out of nowhere for them and uh it's really good. A uh, really good example of how you can take a modern engine and use it for side scrolling or any sort of game you really want to make if you if you modify it enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I recall liking a lot about Shadow Complex was it had this almost um, reminded me a bit of Trials HD for. It would let you see other players' milestones as you were playing yeah. and as you beat them. And it was always clear that, okay, I just got more kills than McMaster. Okay, right. now I've just used the grenade more times than this guy on my friends list. Like, it was really good at giving you these little thresholds to try to beat your friends' scores. Absolutely. And that, that, that is something that's so great about Trials as well. I did end up picking up that Trials that uh, you were talking about, the most recent one. It's so, uh Oh, you and your scores. But anyway, um, well, uh, Shadow Complex uh, is uh, it just it moves really well and it's just really well designed and uh, it still plays uh, very well. And I don't think that uh, I would attach too much negative taboo to the Orson Scott card attachment mm-hmm. to that game. Unfortunate for them, it ended up that way. But um, and it's available on Xbox Live and. 
I don't have no real idea how much it costs now. Uh, does is there any sort of DLC or have they done any post release support or I, content for it? I don't think so, which okay. is kind of a shame. I mean, at least I didn't notice anything. It doesn't really bug you for it. And isn't there a? Uh, I seem to recall like you're trying to gather pieces of a suit of armor yeah. or something. What's the overarching long game for it? Like, what isn't there something you're trying to assemble or pieces you're chasing down? You're, well, really, it's like there's so many upgrades in that game is one of the things. Um, and in true style to the to that type of game, you can only, you know, it's all about backtracking. So you can only get to certain items and with certain other items. Uh, so it kind of makes the playing through the earlier parts of the game a much more attractive uh, process and adds. And just gives you a lot of extra content uh in that area but um yeah you are you're searching i believe for uh, it's like a suit of there is a suit of armor that you're searching for and there's also yeah like health upgrades there's gold bars there's tons of things what can you buy with your gold bars um respect (laughs) i I don't don't know uh and isn't the lead voice actor is that nolan north or did i just make that up or do you know i do not know all right. It could be Nolan North, though. Alright, uh, all right, so an oldie but a goodie, I guess. And, yeah. uh, a little uh, Shadow complac- Complex uh, for Jason B. McMaster. Okay. Yes. Uh, what sort of multiplayer does that have? Um, well, if you and a friend want to control one stick each, <laughs> that's quite possible. <laughs> Do you recommend that, McMaster? No, no, I don't think it would work very well at all. <laughs> All right, well, uh, so my game of the week uh, does have shadows in it. And in ways, it is complex. Uh, in other ways, it's very simple. Uh, so it, it'll be no news if you are listening to the podcast that, there, that I recently reviewed Resident Evil 6. That review is on the, the front page of Quarter to Three, of course. Uh, I wasn't fond of it. Uh, but I did want to talk a bit more about it uh, on the podcast here. Uh, now, first, McMaster, I, I seem to recall... I don't know if you and I ever played Resident Evil 5. I know uh, we have some mutual Xbox Live friends, and I've spent a lot of time playing Resident Evil 5 with some of them. Were you ever one of my Resident Evil 5 buddies? I don't really remember. If we did, it was only like once or twice. I can't... uh, Yeah, I don't think it was much. But did you play it then? Like, were you a Resident Evil 5 guy? Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm really fond of Resident Evil 5. Uh, I never... You know, I upgraded... I only upgraded a couple of weapons. I didn't go nuts. but I mean, the full upgrade but well did you get all the way through the, the storyline stuff like because uh, yeah. it, it's again it's a game that you uh can you know you mentioned borderlands that you're playing through again uh resident evil 5 is very much geared towards that and even before by the way you finish the storyline if i'm not mistaken i think you can go back and like replay some levels to just like it's yeah. it's all about like reiterating some of the content uh and it rewards you for that like it's built for that um, right uh, so, so you were a Resident Evil fan then. All right. Well, in oh, that yeah. case, so uh, starting from that premise then, uh, some of the new things in Resident Evil 6, just from a mechanical perspective as, as a shooting game, I kind of liked. And part of why this concerns me is because I came out of Resident Evil 6 with a lot of renewed respect and enthusiasm to maybe go back and play some Resident Evil 5. I really like that game. But here's a couple of things that I'm going to miss if I go back to Resident Evil 5 that were in Resident Evil 6. Uh, one of them, just as a, a shooting and melee game, uh, the Resident Evil games have always been about 
because they're kind of survival horror, you don't always have a lot of ammo. Uh, you know, one of the things you can eventually unlock is infinite ammo for the levels, and that's kind of an end game reward. But on the way there, one of the important strategies in a Resident Evil game is you use your ammo to stun somebody, and then you finish them off with a melee attack. And in cooperative games, this works great. Somebody will shoot a zombie or a creature while the other player is near it, and then the other player will get the melee kill. So there's a lot of that stuff going on in Resident Evil 6. But Resident Evil 6 adds this new thing that is almost completely undocumented, by the way. I didn't notice this was in the game until way late in the game, and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't attacking and why sometimes things wouldn't work. But there's a thing in Resident Evil 6 called a combat gauge. Now, combat gauge is very simply a gauge with little notches on it. And each time you do a melee attack, it uses one bit, one piece of this combat gauge. And if you deplete it all the way, your attack is this really tired, exhausted, wimpy, half-hearted kick. So if you're sitting there just spamming the right trigger, which is a perfectly normal reaction because it's, it's such an effective attack, you're eventually just going to do this half-hearted kick that is going to accomplish absolutely nothing, and you might think, why is this happening? That's because you've depleted the gauge and you've got to let it fill back up. Um, so what that does is it adds a little new strategic layer to when and how you use your melee attacks. Uh, if you want to just w- – one of the new characters is primary – he's like got really cool melee abilities. And if you want to use him, you've just got to conserve how often he fights. Uh, and I like that little layer to the melee. But more importantly, the combat gauge is used for something I really like. And this is something that video games have kind of struggled with. I know a few have tried solution, various different solutions, but I haven't seen them work very well. And this is the idea that if you're playing, if, you, if you've got a gun and somebody is right next to you, you know, if you're standing toe-to-toe with a zombie or a, uh, the new zombies in Resident Evil 6 are called Ja'avos, or with a Ja'avo or with whatever they were called in Resident Evil 5, I forget, they had a special name. Uh, but if you're standing toe-to-toe with one of those, it should be a no-brainer to just shoot it with your gun. You know, in real life, that would be simple as anything. If you're standing next to someone, a point-blank shot will always hit. However, in a shooter, you've got to, like, aim it, and then if it's standing too far to the side, you move over, and then it clips through your, your gun model, and it's just a big mess trying to shoot something that in real life you would just reach out and pull the trigger and it would be shot. One of the things they do in Resident Evil 6 is they have something called a quick shot. And a quick shot is simply simultaneously hitting the fire and the sighting button, the right and the left trigger at the same time. You use a unit of your uh, of your combat gauge, and you get a free aimed attack that will automatically hit the nearest target. Oh. And, that, and I really like how handy that is. Furthermore, it will make the target vulnerable for a follow-up attack. Um, so a, a way to manage zombies or whatever uh, that, that, are, that are getting up in your face that are really close to you in Resident Evil 6 is just do that quick shot and then quickly do a follow-up attack. Now, this will empty your combat gauge out pretty quickly, but it's a really effective way to deal with you know, not having to aim when something is right up in your face. Uh, and I'm going to miss that when I go back to Resident Evil 5. Um, Let's see, some of the other things that I like, uh, even though the new health system where you eat these goofy little, they're, they're, like, they're totally like Tic Tacs, and you've even got a little dispenser that, you know, when you shake a, a, a health tablet out of it, it, it sounds like a, a, a bottle of Tic, or a box of Tic Tacs with that rattle sound. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but I do like in the new, I do like this idea in the new health system where you have blocks that regenerate if they don't empty all the way out. 
Uh, we've seen this in other games. I think most recently, maybe Resistance 3 did it. Uh, the Ratchet yeah. & Clank games have always done it. You know, I think Insomniac is fond of this device. Um, so the idea being, if you take damage, that damage will heal as long as it doesn't go too far down. If it goes too far down, then you're down in another block, and to recover the block you've lost, you're going to have to use some of your health potion. Uh, so I really like that system. I, I, I think some people complained and felt that it added complexity, but I feel that it gives you a chance to bounce back from minor mishaps. Uh, without having to use your your green er, health herbs and, and whatnot, right? As yeah. Uh, so I like that. I, I'm going to miss that. Uh, let's see other things that I might miss. That might be it. Um, I do miss terribly the the being able to go into your inventory. And I seem to recall you could assign D-pad button presses to any, yeah. anything in your inventory. And so you could instantly go to your different weapons very quickly in Resident Evil 5. Resident Evil 6 doesn't do that. Uh, you just have to move through this long list of things. And furthermore, and this is kind of weird, you can carry as many guns as your character has found. You know, if I'm oh, wow. playing Chris and I find early on a shotgun, every time I play Chris from here on out, he's going to have that shotgun. If I instead want to play his partner in that level, she will not have the shotgun until I play through and find the shotgun. But it, it's, it, it's you eventually get, when you've played a character enough and you're doing the end of their campaigns, you've eventually got like five or six weapons in your inventory, which seems kind of neat, but you're having to page through them and find them in this little list. And, uh, I, and I miss that sort of making tough decisions about what to carry. In Resident Evil 5. Uh, yeah, in your inventory in Resident Evil 5, it was broken out in a grid, and whatever you had in the top part was your top D-pad, and then the bottom part was your bottom D-pad. Ah, right, right. That, I and think what, at least. Was it Tetrisy too? Like, did certain things take up more parts of the grid? You know, I... I think so, actually. Right. But I can't remember, though. Good lord. Uh, and I do like too, like I, you know, the grenades going through this little list to pick a different grenade up. I mean, it, it would be the sort of situation where more often I would just not use a grenade because it was too much trouble. In Resident Evil mm -hmm. Six, I would try to go to an incendiary grenade and I would accidentally use a health spray when I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. And now I've lost my health spray, and furthermore, the zombies in front of me aren't burning. Uh, so that got really annoying. Um, uh, so I did, but 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 most of all, what I what I really disliked about just the basic mechanics and the gunplay in Resident Evil 6 were just this this awful skill system. And I don't understand what they were thinking with this. Uh, because, you know, you only ever get to use three skills at a time. And I just see no point to not use your, you know, the basic skill that improves your firearms, the basic skill that improves your defenses. And then maybe in that third slot, I, I don't know if you want to focus on melee or something, but there's like... 25, 30 skills in this game uh, that you have to buy, and many of them you can upgrade, and they get super expensive. And I just don't understand why you would ever use one of the three precious slots that you've got at any given time on something like recoil reduction or an increased chance of critical hits. You know, just improve no, no. the firearms. Yeah, it just it makes no sense. Um, you can even do things like, well, I, don't, I mean, so many of them are just, just minor. You can, there, there are weird skills in there, too, like you can equip a lone wolf skill which means an ai partner won't help you and i don't understand why that's there maybe 
if it, there's some trade-off where you then get more skill points, I could see that, and that would be a cool idea. But if that's in there, they don't explain it. Uh, and as a matter of fact, by the way, I thought this was notable. I, I'm so over complaining about poor about games not having good manuals. Uh, but Resident Evil Six, not only does it not have a good manual, there is no manual. There's nothing in there. There's a slip to sign up for RENet, their new. Uh, uh, online service thingy, but there was I, there's no way to look up what buttons do what on the controller, for instance. There's not even an epilepsy warning if I wanted to go read that in the documentation. It's not there. There's no there's nothing when I open it. It's just a disc. That's ridiculous because I I wanted to find out oh, now what was the button that did this again? What is the left bumper? There's no place to look that stuff up. Uh, and that's just absurd to me. And you can't even go, by the way, into an options screen and look at the control layout. Uh, no. Nothing like that. That's just ridiculous. Uh, that is ridiculous. Yeah. So the thing is, even if you are into the basic shooting, some of which is decent in Resident Evil 6, I mean, I liked it in Resident Evil 5, and, and some of it is still very good in Resident Evil 6, but even if you're into that part of the gameplay, of, of the game as a whole... The experience is just so broken up by by cutscenes, by awful boss battles, by QTEs, you know, quick time events where you've got to quickly wiggle the stick back and forth or press the right trigger or press the A button rapidly, or it's broken up by empty hallways that are separated by door opening animations, and there's just loading screens everywhere. There are a couple of awful, awful stealth sequences uh, oh, yes, my favorite. Oh, McMaster, there's one where there's actually a couple of these where there's a big old indestructible guy uh, chasing you, and you have to like uh, you have to hide in trash bins while he passes by, and, and he's sending out these little sensor bugs that fly around, and if they sense you, he runs up and he kills you, and it's just a fail state. Oh, so man. what you have to do oh, is you oh, have that's to, awful. It's terrible. So you have to move through the you have to figure out and move through the patrol sequence of these bugs. And every time you fail, you've got to run back and hide in a dumpster. And yeah, and, and, and you have to get there before the monster tracks you down. And that's just, it so breaks up the flow of the game. I mean, I know Resident Evils have had puzzles in them and stuff, but the stealth sequences were just ridiculous. And the driving sequences, there, there are some, I mean, it's the sort of thing where I want people to come over and I want to show them, can you believe what they put in this game? You know, it's just like narrow, it's a ribbon that you drive down and you've got to drive around wrecked cars, and in some sequences you got to like machine gun other cars but it it just looks you know i made some tongue-in-cheek reference in the review to it uh playstation 2 title being proud but it really has no business being on a latest gen system like an xbox 360 or a ps3 looking the way it does it is just terrible and if you remember by the way i don't necessarily uh, I'm not necessarily opposed to driving sequences, because even in Resident Evil 5, there were sequences where you'd be on, it was like a Humvee, I guess, and you're shooting yeah. machine guns at these motorcycles chasing you. Uh, and it was kind of goofy, um, but at least it kind of it had a sense of production values. It looked pretty good. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and it had, you know, it was you were out in Africa, and it was the, that sort of savannah setting. And, uh, you that know, boss fight at the end, too, that, that uh, crazy boss fight at the end of the... Yeah, it's the giant, the big giant yeah, where you've got a yeah. man and you've got a duck and all that, you know. 
that that's fine because it had production values and it it was effectively cinematic. Uh, but these sequences they put in Resident Evil Six, no production values whatsoever. I mean, it looks like it was ripped from another awful, crappy game, and I don't understand why that stuff didn't get cut. Because there's so much content in there already. Like, why do they throw things in there that just look so bad? And they don't just throw them in there once. You know, there, there's like three or four of these really bad driving sequences. There is, no joke, a snowmobiling sequence where you're oh, just God. trying to drive around trees and not hit trees, uh, which, my God, it looks awful. <laughs> why did they do that? Yeah, so... Uh, the, the new creatures kind of have some cool looks. You know, like I said before, they're called Javos, and they're not that much different from the regular, from the zombies in Resident Evil 5, where you shoot them and their head pops open and then there's a big flower there, like a, a monster flower or whatever. Uh, the difference with the Javos is that depending on where you shoot them, that determines how they mutate. So if you shoot them in the head, a lot of times they'll just die. But sometimes you shoot them in the head, and their head turns into a big old like Venus flytrap mouth kind of thing. If you shoot them in the arm, their arm can turn into a big shield. If you shoot them on or a, or a tentacle kind of thing. If you shoot them in the legs, some of them get these like grasshopper legs that they can jump on you. Uh, kind of like that in theory. That's kind of a cool concept. Um, yeah. So there's there was that. Uh, the new character. By the way, is a, a fellow named uh, Jake Muller, I believe, uh, and he's super. He's like sort of geared towards being a melee kind of guy. Um, but the main character, by the way, if you play the game, and I hope this isn't really a spoiler because everybody knows she's in there. But as you play the game, one of the cool things that happens is you realize that the main character is not these douchebags, Chris or Leon or Jake. It's Ada Wong. Uh, McMaster, you and I had a showdown with Ada Wong once. Uh, she proved to be quite a formidable opponent. Uh, yeah. And that, that was uh, us doing some co-op in Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. Uh, she that, is, uh, What's funny is that when you were talking about that uh, that fight where you have to like hide from the guy, mm-hmm. all I was thinking about was a combination of Operation uh, Raccoon City and... Well, mostly just a combination of Operation Raccoon City. That one stupid fight where you have to run to the end of the hallway. And the whole point is just to get to the end of the hallway, but it doesn't tell you that at all. Right. So you're just, yeah, oh, God, that was so awful. Yeah, Capcom is not above bewildering and frustrating you. That is something that they don't mind doing in their games. Yeah. Uh, So uh, one of the things also that uh, Resident Evil 6 carries over from Resident Evil 5, of course, is its emphasis on co-op. At every single mission, uh, with the exception once you once you do the three main campaigns, there's a fourth campaign where you play as Ada Wong, uh, and that's solo because Ada Wong doesn't need a partner. Uh, But in the first three campaigns, you've always got a partner with you. So like Resident Evil Five. You can always play these cooperatively. Uh, And one of the things that I realized as I was playing is I don't think there's any benefit from this because unlike the first game, I think in the the first game, in Resident Evil 5, in the last game, I seem to recall you had to give Shiva or Chris, if you were playing Shiva, you had to give ammo to the person, right? Yeah, actually, I think so. And it was like limited, like they would use it up. They were limited right. to how much they had. Uh, now, at this point, if you'll excuse me, I have to sneeze. So wait, no, mm. hold on. Is it kind of, nope, sorry, you know what? It was a false alarm. I don't have to sneeze. Uh, but you would have to give ammo, and a lot of times you would not give ammo to your, to your AI partner because you wouldn't want him or her to use it up. So right. part of the strategy was when do I give Shiva the rifle bullets and when do I hang on to them myself so she doesn't waste them. Uh, right. Here... The AI gets infinite ammo, 
and never gets downed, incapacitated. Now, maybe this happens at the highest difficulty level, which you have to unlock. I played some of it on veteran, uh, most of it on normal. By the time I was done with it, I dropped some of the levels down to amateur just because I was sick of it. But maybe on the harder levels, it gets more difficult. I'm not sure. Uh, I wouldn't put that past Capcom, but at least on Veteran, the AI never seems to get incapacitated. It never runs out of ammo. Now, so if I want to play with you, McMaster, and we are playing Resident Evil 6, you, unlike the AI, will run out of ammo. You, McMaster, sometimes will get downed, and I will have to come rescue you, and I might need to give you some of my precious Tic Tacs. So if I play the game with you it might be more difficult and more frustrating than if I had just taken the AI, who is a little bit, uh, who can be considerably more effective because it's infallible. It, it, it can't be sure. beaten. So I have to wonder, what is the incentive to play co-op in this game? Because I'm not sure there is one. Uh, and that seems a little odd. Uh, there, there, there should be some benefit from pay, playing co-op, and I don't understand what it is or if it's there uh, or if it's not there. I have played some co-op, and it just wasn't clear to me. You know, What's the trade-off for me making the game more difficult and, and just having other potential points of failure occur? So I don't know the answer to that. Uh, one of the uh, new things is called Agent Hunt. And in theory, I like this. And that is where uh, if I'm playing single player or McMaster, if you and I are playing co-op or if anybody's playing co-op, you can leave your game open. This is a setting to the agent hunt mode. And that simply means that anybody who wants to load up agent hunt and jump into a quick game, you know, it's it's match made uh, randomly. uh, That person can then inhabit one of the monsters in your game. Oh, wow. Which sounds kind of cool in theory. But in practice, the monsters in the game are so slow and so inefficient. I mean, they're basically there to be cannon fodder that I found it incredibly frustrating to play a zombie or even one of the more advanced Javas. Near the end of the game, you get Java with guns and with suits of armor. They're basically just enemy soldiers for all intents and purposes. But even in some of those advanced guys, you were just so slow and so ineffective compared to players uh, and I guess what you're supposed to do is wait until they get overwhelmed and then move in and see if you can get a few lucky hits. But it just seemed paced so erratically because while I would be waiting, they would hit a checkpoint, and there are checkpoints throughout the game. I mean, like I mentioned, it's constantly moving you through a door animation or a loading screen or whatever. So you're waiting for the players, and then they hit a checkpoint, and then you get knocked out of your monster, and you have to start with a new one at a new spawn point. Uh, the agent hunt was just so frustrating and seemed really poorly thought out. Uh, it does do a cool thing where when you're a Javo, you can mutate into a new monster. Uh, and again, in theory, I like this. But it happened so rarely, and it was never clear to me how to play these new monsters. I'd be trying to figure out what they do, and then I would get killed. Um, No training mode. And again, I can't check the manual. I can't check any sort of online help because it doesn't exist. Uh, But one of the things that uh, finally I'll mention that I I like in theory that it does that's new with multiplayer uh, is there are several times in the storyline where... One campaign intersects with another campaign that you will play later. So what will happen is, let's say I'm playing the uh, Chris campaign, where I'm Chris, and my sidekick is... Uh, who's Chris's sidekick? Sherry, I guess? Anyway, so he's... Oh, no, no. Uh, uh, it's the new rookie soldier. Uh, uh, Piven... No, Niven... 
Niven uh, Piers. Piers Niven, yeah. So you're Chris Redfield and your rookie soldier sidekick, Piers Niven, uh, and you're playing those two characters. And then at some point in the campaign, they will run across Jake and his partner, who's in the later campaign, and they'll play a boss battle together or something. And then Jake and his partner go on, and then you go on and do the rest of your campaign. So then when you're playing the Jake campaign, you replay that bit, uh, except this time you're Jake and you run into Chris and, and Piers Niven, and you, you play that boss battle over again. Seems a little redundant. Indeed it is. But at any rate, the campaigns cross paths. So what will happen is if I'm playing solo or cooperatively, it doesn't matter, when it's loading a section like that that intersects with another campaign, it will automatically try to find someone else playing online in the Jake campaign. And it will it will put instead of putting a computer controlled Jake in the game, it will put someone playing his single player campaign, even if he's doing it cooperatively with a buddy, it'll match us together. So that here I am, we've got now four up to four players playing cooperatively. Um, but again it raises the question is there any benefit from this? You know, when when it's loading one of these sequences, I get a little countdown timer where it says looking for partner and it's counting down from sixty seconds. Why what is the benefit for me to let it find someone? You know, why don't I just hit B, cancel out and, and play my game? And I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, and there are even times, by the way, when you're playing the Ada Wong campaign, which doesn't have any co-op, it's single player, but where it will match you, it will drop you in a game with up to four other players, you know, playing the other two teams uh, in their little campaign game. Uh, so I kind of like the the concept there. I don't understand the incentive. I don't understand what you gain from that. I don't. It was obviously a lot of work, and I'm not sure why players would want to avail themselves of that feature. But it got me thinking, what are some other cool options that games have done with multiplayer? Uh, because I like the different options here. I, I like how Capcom has tried something different, uh, even if I don't plan to use it. And it reminded me a lot of a game nobody played called Mind Jack, which had something very similar to the Agent Hunt, where you play through the campaign or you can just volunteer to play a bad guy in another player's campaign. And Mind Jack, at least didn't do, you know, you were playing a soldier with weapons. You had a, a lot of powers. You weren't just some weak zombie who had to shamble up and try to get a lucky melee hit. Uh, so Mindjack tried that. Uh, it wasn't popular. It wasn't based on the Resident Evil license. I don't imagine it did very well. Uh, but, Master, does anything come to mind for you? What are, what are some cool variations that you have appreciated on uh, multiplayer? No, there's uh, actually quite a few come to mind. Um, most recently, uh, we did a lot of Max Payne 3, which had painkiller mode, which I thought was pretty neat, where one person played Max and one person played What's-His-Name, and uh, they uh, you know, fought against everybody, and whoever killed that person would... Etc. But, but for like as far as interesting goes, like Demon Souls or Dark Souls is another game that has really wow. Speaking of Demon Souls, <laughs> <laughs> um, it had really crazy multiplayer. And it also go ahead. It had you know world invasions as well as like co-op. So you would have somebody come into your world as a dark spirit and hunt you down. And even just the ghosts, just leaving graffiti. Uh, right. You know, I, I like that in Dark Souls. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, or uh, if you want to look at like just games that do multiplayer, interestingly, like something like Natural Selection, um, the old mod for Half Life that I think they're re-releasing, that has uh, 
you know, one person in an alien commander role, and other people in alien roles, and then, you know, the Marines with, like, a commander role as well. And just, yeah. it's, it's not a re-release, it's a completely new, rebuilt game with the Source Engine. Or... Uh, the new, uh, for Natural Selection 2, exactly, right. right. Uh, uh, that, I mean, of course, Left for Dead is a, is a model for that, and, and what Left for Dead did that I really appreciate... Uh, and it's similar to what Resident Evil 6 is trying to do in structure, is that it's a co-op game, but on top of it is this asymmetrical competitive game with the versus mode, where sure. you have four people playing the survivors and up to four people playing the special monsters. Uh, and I think Resident Evil 6 intended to kind of be like that, where you could have two people playing cooperatively, and I don't know how many people can join for Agent Hunt, at least two I know, but in structure very similar to Left for Dead's asymmetrical versus. competitive on top yeah. of co-op. Yeah, versus mode. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned... Um, uh, so so we, we played Payday before, which is just straight-up four-player right. co-op. One of the, the, the things that I... One of the, my favorite multiplayer game modes when we have the uh, my LAN gatherings here at, at the house every week is in Kane and Lynch 2, there is a heist mode which, for all intents and purposes, when you're basically playing, it's just co- cooperative. You know, it's you're. Uh, I think it goes up to six players. Uh, you're doing a heist. You're, you're shooting cops. You gather money. You're trying to get to the the escape chopper or whatever. Depends on the scenario. But one of the things that it does is it's played over several rounds. And at the end of the round, there's there's a competitive element to it based on who gets out the money. And if you betray your other uh, heist members. So there's there's a really cool competitive element that you can ignore or you can be insidious. Like you can turn on other people and you can try to shoot your buddies, in which case you are immediately flagged so that they can shoot you. However, if you then make it to the exfiltration point uh, to get to the chopper or the van or whatever, you get to keep whatever money you were carrying uh, plus, you can take money from the other people that you've killed, and then right. that adds to your score over successive rounds. So it's all about how much money you make in a series of rounds, and if you can betray people you know, in some of the early rounds and make more money to get better weapons, you can sort of snowball your advantage. Uh, I really like that blend of cooperative and competitive, specifically for how it ties into this idea of there being no honor amongst thieves. Sure. Uh, Canaan, so Canaan Lynch 2, very, very cool, unique multiplayer. Um, uh, McMaster, you and I, I, I know a lot of people hated this, but I am a big fan of things that force you to play differently, for better or worse. And a lot of people hated crewing that train artillery gun in Lost Planet 2. <laughs> Uh, but I really like that. I really like how differently that plays and how one player has to shoot, the other has to reload. You've got to manage the cooling station by God. sometimes just running down into the train and pressing the button. You've got to fend off these little flying monsters. Uh, so I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, no, it's a cool mission. It's just kind of like it would be better if Lost Planet had a control scheme that normal people could understand. Uh mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's you're just McMaster. You're just not ready for Lost Planet Two, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> at yeah. least, by the way, I will say about Lost Planet Two. At least you can go into the options screen and get an exhaustive <laughs> breakdown of what every button does. Uh, you know, it's, it's there if you want to figure it out. And by the way, I don't even know. Can you change the controls in Resident Evil, Resident Evil Six? You may not be able to. Uh, but at least, by the way, in Lost Planet Two, change the controls up. Find a scheme that works for you. Uh, okay. So. 
so let's see. Uh, wasn't there a Mario Kart, McMaster, where one person drove and another person shoots? Oh, yeah. Wasn't that that uh, one for uh, the Wii? Was it the Wii that uh, uh, I got? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was definitely like some ladder Double day. something. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like a two-player. Yeah. So and it, and it and they each had different abilities in the cart. Like one person was driving right. and the other one shooting. Right. Right. Or I mean, if you want to look at MMOs, like the Secret World had kind of a weird multiplayer, uh, a competitive thing with the what? Oh, the well, PvP. Yeah, the, oh, that's yeah. It was kind of weird though, the fact that you know you were completely anonymous for the most part. Uh, is is it is that different though from like the Arathi Basin or whatever in World of Warcraft? I mean, hasn't that been around for a while? That that idea that you you leave the main game and you're into little PvP arenas. No, you can go into the arenas, but I mean the fact that in the Secret World everybody's like wearing a mask. Oh, yeah, I see. So right, right. You, you just you know, you're just your faction, right? Right, right. Uh, or Guild Wars Two has its uh, structured PvP. Yeah, which the world. is different than the world versus world, which is, you know, so yep. it's kind of a lot of interesting uh, mechanics out there. Uh, I think of games that didn't do it right, uh, and one that comes <laughs> to mind for me is a game that I like a lot, Dead Rising 2, which had co-op, which I remember hearing about this feature. Who wouldn't want to play through Dead Rising 2 cooperatively? But in, in practice, again... You just were two Chuck Greens just going at it. You know, there was really yeah. no incentive to play cooperatively. Uh, nothing really changed. It's just you were playing the game, and, oh, look, there's another copy of yourself playing as well. That always seemed a little weird. It's uh, like the Grand Theft Autos. You know, I mean, for the most part, Red Dead did, did a great job. Max Payne did a pretty great job. But the Grand Theft Auto multiplayer has never been that fun. Well, they just broke it out into, like, death matches and quests, like, little objective matches and capture the flag and stuff like that. Uh, and then, like, in San Andreas, where they had that god-awful uh, split-screen, it wasn't even split-screen co-op mode, where you could go to, like, certain houses and have one of CJ's buddies jump in, and it was it was pretty awful. Another player, you mean? Yeah, yeah. They, they had to be on the, you had to stay on the same screen, and you could only move, like, maybe 100 feet. without any sort of issue. So it was really terrible. Uh, I was always fine. I feel this is one of these underrated games, and it's one that I can't bring myself to uninstall from uh, the Xbox 360, even when I'm running low on on disk space. Uh, There was that uh, Tomb Raider Guardians of Light, or Guardian of Light, I think. No, I never played that. So that was like an overhead, isometric view of Lara Croft and her buddy Totec, who was a... I don't know, an Aztec or whatever. And they had these asymmetrical abilities that they would have to use to solve puzzles and to fight combat. Uh, mm. There were even, it was it was single player, but I think there were even like separate levels. You could play multiplayer uh, and you could, you could improve your characters and there were collectibles. Uh, and one of the things, and this is one reason I, I don't think I can ever bring myself to uninstall it, uh, and I keep meaning to go back to it. One of the things that Square Enix released for it are, is a Kane and Lynch skin. <laughs> so instead of playing Lara Croft and Totec oh, or wow. Aztec Buddy, you are those, you know, balding middle-aged <laughs> heist dudes from Kane and Lynch. Uh, <laughs> while I was looking over my uh, collection of games from Master to think about other cool multiplayer stuff, uh, I realized I still have, uh, not tucked away in a closet somewhere, but on one of my main shelves, uh, for the GameCube, 
Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader. Oh, yeah. Which had these excellent split-screen Star Wars spaceship sequences, like the Battle of... I'm going to be on shaky ground here. What's the one in Empire Strikes Back where Admiral Akbar says, there's a trap? What was that battle? Oh, jeez. Yavin? Yavin? Yeah, sure. Yavin. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dagobah. I don't know. Wherever that was. Uh, But, you know, there's this big, crazy spaceship gunfighting stuff, you know, and it it's GameCube-y, but it's still, you know, you can play it split screen. There's all these, like, achievements, kind of these things you can unlock playing it single player. Uh, man, I like that game a lot, and it's one that I've, I've kept out because, you know, you can play uh, GameCube games on your Wii. Uh, yeah, we, um, God, I played, for as far as, like, keeping games out, like, uh, I had Halo out, or Halo probably... Three and uh, ODST and all those out for the longest time for that because they're just such great split-screen multiplayer games. Yep, their horde mode is very good, of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, oh, there's another one I wanted to bring up, horde mode. Guild Wars, uh, not Guild Wars, Gears of War. Uh, Gears of War 3 horde mode plus the uh, enemy mode. You know, Beast, beast mode, yep. Beast which, mode, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh so uh, the we mentioned trials, by the way, but that's another yeah. really cool way to encourage not multiplayer, but at least maybe commutative play. Yeah, yeah, this community competitiveness. Uh, certainly, the the way that the high scores are constantly brought up in Pinball FX2. You know, when you're uh-huh. playing, and it'll tell you, "Hey, you're only 30 million points from Sarah McMaster's high score. Maybe you should keep, you know, be more <laughs> careful. Let's just, just give up." Yeah, no, no pressure, but don't lose the ball yet. <laughs> and, you know, Trials HD does that by clearly showing you on the screen where other players are at certain points, like marking their times. Uh, I like that aspect a lot. Um, yeah, Sarah's got a new sickness now. She's got the Guild Wars. Got the Guild Wars shakes. Good, as, it, as she well should have. Uh, uh, another option, McMaster, uh, there are in Dragon's Dogma, your henchman oh, is called yeah. a pawn. And you can make your pawn available for other players to use when they're playing the game. It's a strictly single-player game, but you can choose your buddy's pawns to accompany you. And those pawns level up as your buddies are playing. And this leads to situations where, uh, as the case was with me, if some <laughs> of your friends have played the game a lot and they've got a super high-level pawn who's really powerful, there's nothing in Dragon's Dogma that will stop you from saying, hey, come with me, you're going to be my side, one of my sidekicks on this mission. And basically they can play some of the more difficult encounters for you. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they but certainly I, can. I really like that approach. Uh, and, you know, it makes me think of, like, like games where you level up and cultivate an attachment to a character, like XCOM, for instance. That's mm-hmm. really cool to lend characters out to other people playing the game. I like that a lot. Um, so uh, the one of my favorite driving games is uh, Need for Speed Shift and Need for Speed Shift 2. Uh, and they do something. There's also something similar done in Prototype 2. Uh, and what those games do is they will... Uh, let you, they'll have different kind of, uh, in Need for Speed Shift, they're basically just uh, races, um, like, not campaigns, what do you call it? Tournaments. Uh, they'll have, like, tournaments, which is a series of races, uh, and Prototype 2 has these leaderboard divisions, like most people killed with a gun, most people killed with this tentacle or that tentacle, uh, and at any given time, you are vying with your friends to hold the top spot in either the tournament or the specific leaderboard. Uh, for specific challenges. 
And I like how that adds an incentive to either keep trying races in the case of Need for Speed Shift or to keep rampaging through the city in the case of uh, Prototype 2. Uh, it's another variation on, on leaderboards, basically, where it, hmm. you know, one fr- you, one person is always going to control this leaderboard or this tournament. Uh, will that be you, or will it be one of your buddies who's better than you? I like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the cooperative, uh, the collaborative building on the same server that people get, that people do in Minecraft. Hmm. That's also unique. Boom blocks. Boomblocks had that kind of... Oh, oh right. Where you would knock stuff down, taking turns. That was a fun one. And you could also, like, share your creations until EA shut that down. Nice work, right. EA. Thank you. Uh, That's what they do. I mean, <laughs> let's be fair. I mean, they're good at it. Uh, Fear 3 had a mode that I really like called... Uh, oh, run like a hell or whatever it was. <laughs> you know, McMaster, I appreciate your PG-13 rendition of it. It was actually called... And I can say this because I'm quoting something. I'm not saying it normally, but it was actually called "fucking run." <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I was thinking of the Pink Floyd song. Right. Uh, so I, I really like that mode where you and up to three buddies. I think it supported four players. You and up to three buddies. You start at this one point, and it's basically a long level that can twist and go underground and above ground or through alleys or whatever, depending on which level you're playing. And the idea is that constantly behind you is this death cloud. And that's literally what it is. It's a big cloud with evil Top faces kill. in it. Yeah, it's constantly moving behind you, and if it catches up to any one of you, everybody loses. So what you got to do is you got to run like heck, like hell. You have to effing run uh, to try to get to the end or to try to get their checkpoints, thankfully. Uh, and you're fighting along the way sometimes. And if somebody goes down, you need to go back and uh, revive them before the cloud reaches them. Uh, but I really like that new gameplay dynamic. I mean, or I mean, I even mentioned it earlier, but like Red Dead Redemption, I had a pretty crazy, awesome multiplayer modes that were different. You know, he had the free roam, which was fantastic, with all the co-op missions. It's like a miniature MMO. Yeah. A miniaturely multiplayer online. Right. PG. Which is, I mean, yeah. Yeah, all right. All right, so good. So there's a lot of cool... There's no. So basically, the bottom line, there's no reason to put up with Resident Evil 6. <laughs> Play one of these other games instead. Uh. <laughs> I, have, um, I have a very important question for you. Yes, sir. I have a, a equally important answer. I hope. Um, XCOM or Dishonored? Yes. <laughs> That's pretty much my answer. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I I don't know, and I, yeah, I won't know until next week. I was um, informed. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I don't think it's a big deal. I was informed by 2K that they feel that I don't get Firaxis's games. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, Bethesda, I, they're uh, kind of standoffish with me well. So I will be uh, picking up the game. I will be getting the game along with the rest of you next Tuesday. I think probably both. I, I can't imagine it having to pick one or the other. Is Are you in the yeah. same boat, McMaster? Or are you? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm for sure getting both. So okay, just... McMaster, let's then put it this way. Which one will you start playing first? Um, well, that's almost kind of a trick question. No, nope, no, it's not. You you come home with both of them. You're gonna put one in your Xbox. Oh. oh, you know what? Maybe you'll be playing one on the or both on the PC. I'll be playing one on the Xbox, I think, and one on the PC uh, for sure. I mean, I you know XCOM on the PC, of course. Uh, it kind of depends if. Uh, but if I was coming home at the same time, wow, that is almost kind of a tough one. I'd, I'd almost have to say XCOM. 
just because I feel I owe it to XCOM uh, for having such a huge impact on me and, and gaming in general. Here's my, uh, and we'll talk more about this next week, but here's my reservation about XCOM. Uh, you know, the XCOM was great when it was out. It's still great in certain ways. It did some certain important things, and, and I know that Firaxis kind of knows what they're up against in trying to bring this to, to a latter-day gaming audience. Um, but I kind of feel like I have gotten my XCOM fix over the years by playing things like uh, SRPGs. Things like Disgaea, uh, uh, what's that other, Disgaea, like, what's that other one? Persona? No. No, that's not, that's not, a, that's a terrible one. Um, uh, it's where you, you inhabit, uh, you know, it, it, to, to have someone describe a JRP, anything remotely JRPG, it will sound nonsensical. <laughs> Are you talking about inhabit rocks and stuff? And yes, trees? yes, and so, trees. That's, oh god, that's not Mackay. Mackay. It's not Mackay's castle, it's not. It's not Lapiselle. It's not uh, Phantom Brave. Phantom Brave is the thank one you. where you, you um, haunt things. Yes, yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Rock. Uh, so I feel like those games have given me a kind of an XCOM fix. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to the XCOM vibe and to landing a Sky Ranger and to doing terror missions. And I hope there are autopsies and uh, you know oh, yeah, science no, stuff. Oh, so yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I, I sort of feel like. I'm more excited about Dishonored for the simple reason that uh, I have an enormous amount of Smith for uh, amount of Smith amount of respect for Harvey Smith. <laughs> you, I've always I've told everyone I know Tom has an enormous amount of Smith in him. <laughs> but uh, Harvey Smith did uh, Deus Ex with Warren Spector way back when. And, uh, oh, your favorite game. <laughs> See, that's what I was going to say. Is a lot what a lot of folks a lot of folks know that hey, Tom Chick doesn't like Deus Ex. But what they may not realize uh, is that my issues with Deus Ex had a lot to do with things like the technology. Uh, Deus Ex was was attempting the unenviable task of doing an open world before open world games really existed, before people really knew how to do them. Previously, games like System Shock uh, and Thief had the advantage of basically playing like haunted houses. They were not open worlds. They were very self-contained settings, whereas Deus Ex did this really ballsy thing of going to New York and to, was it, was it Shanghai and Paris? Yeah. I forget all. So, and all those places, like, it, it was a really rough fit, specifically with the engine. You know, it was the Unreal Engine back then, and it ran poorly when they tried to do these big open areas. Uh, specifically with things like the AI, you know, it, it just completely fell apart in just really painful ways. Um, so those were a lot of my issues about Deus Ex. Those issues basically aren't the case. I mean, that, those are those are problems that have been solved these days. So I'm anxious to see what Harvey Smith and Arcane Studios, you know, Arcane Studios has done these kind of complex RPGs before. I'm really curious to see what they've created. And I, I haven't read much about it. I've seen a few demos of it. Uh, I've seen some press showings. But for the most part, I've just been on a blackout, and I just want to pick it up on, on Tuesday and, and see what's happened. Uh, so that's the one I'm most excited about. Uh, yeah, no, I I really want to see it too. Like, uh, you know, of course, me three, and I, I've watched a few commercials uh, recently just to kind of get back into the whole idea. And it's got it's it's appealing, you know. It has that whole uh, Guy Fox kind of crazy feel to it, like the whole uh, 
God, what was the name of that ridiculous movie? It was a, it was a good comic book, and then the Wachowski. I can't attest to the comic book, but it was called V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. Okay, right. yeah, it has a. There's just something. It has that feel to it. To mm-hmm. me, I mean that's. I mean, I guess that's probably what they're shooting for. Hopefully, it's. But uh, it it looks very bloody. Uh, they have an interesting sea shanty that they rewrote for it. Um, can, can you hum some of that for me? Uh, I know it has something about feeding dudes to rats and cutting throats and stuff like that, but uh, I don't know if I can hum it. All right. Uh, well, maybe next week after we've spent some time with the game. Yeah. Is there supposed to be any multiplayer in that game? I hope not. Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I know there is an XCOM. Well, right. Yeah, well, I'm actually kind of excited about that, but who knows? So you mentioned, McMaster, which one are you doing on the 360 and which is on the PC? Uh, I think I'm doing Dishonored on the 360. All right. Uh, if it's up to me, I think I, I want to I see how... It seems to me like their main focus for XCOM was to get it to play nice on a console. So I'm, in, I'm inclined to try both of them on the 360 at this point. Oh, I... I'm curious. I'll have to know, but I, I don't know. I, if I'm going to have my XCOM, I'm going to have to have it right. like, you know, the way God meant for it. <laughs> in, in, an, in an uncomfortable chair and a small monitor? Yes. That's how I like it. Uh, McMaster, you know what happened this week? What's that? We didn't talk about Guild Wars. Oh, that's weird. Uh, I was so bummed. I was playing the World v. World uh, with a bunch of folks from from our guild the other night. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the latest patch, but my graphics were just awful, like the the frame rate. So I had to drop everything down. I just went into the option screen because when you're playing World v. World, it's like competitive player versus player. You can't pause the game or call timeout and fix your settings. So I just went into the graphics option and clicked on uh, best performance, and it just looked wretched. Uh, which, because basically best performance turns off all the the graphics. Uh, so, and then it's just start, still started getting weird frame rate frame eh, frame rates and freaking out. So, I think I had some weird heating issue. I hope uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, how did how did it go for you the other night on World v World? You know, I actually didn't. Uh, I didn't end up making it in. Uh, apparently, you had just logged out when I got on, and uh, we ended up running a couple of dungeons instead. Because everybody, like, a bunch of people went, and it was going okay, and then I think it just kind of went went down. And so we went to uh, Sorrow's Embrace and Honor of the Waves. So, McMaster, do you know then what happened this week? Um, hmm. Well, we, that kind of depends. We didn't not talk about Guild Wars 2. See? Oh. See what I did there? Oh, man. You've... <laughs> Yeah, Sarah's already 80, by the way, so you're going to have to step it up. Good for her. Uh, if I didn't have alts, I would be as well. Uh, and if yeah, I didn't have to play freaking Resident Evil 6, uh, I would be like 80 in Guild Wars 2 by now. We were all we were all wondering. I mean, we thought pandas. I mean, really, that's the first thing we thought, pandas. I mean, I'm sorry, I hate to say it. Uh, did you know, by the way, there's farming also in World of Warcraft Mists of Pandaria? Farming? Like, yeah. Like planting a farm? Yeah. And planting Harvest crops moon. and stuff. Harvest moon stuff. Totally. <laughs> oh, wow. That actually kind of sounds interesting. <laughs> I know. I, I feel the same way in, in, in a non-ironic way. I'm like, wow, that's yeah. that's something. Yeah. Uh, can yeah, you, that, yeah McMaster, can you grow crops in Guild Wars 2? No. That's right. No. That's right. 
you can uh, do just about everything else, but now you cannot grow crops, and you can't fight Pokemon style. Can you at least be a panda bear in Guild Wars 2? I don't think so, no. Just angry, angry-looking things. Mm. Can you wander Azeroth in Guild Wars 2? I don't think you could find Azeroth in Guild Wars 2. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome if they just threw that in, too. Well, here's Azeroth. Why not? <laughs> so, so basically, Master, what I hear you saying is that even Guild Wars 2 has its limits. Yeah, I think so. Uh, right. At this point, yeah. Right. Well, there's always downloadable content. There's always, you know, they can fix that over time. So. Yeah, no, that's what. Uh, yeah, that's that's a big thing for them. They're going to do a lot of it. So, I'm kind of uh, excited to see what happens, as well as uh, that and Borderlands. I want to see both downloadable contents. Do we know when you can play that new, uh, what is it, Necromancer or whatever? Like, isn't there a new character that they are adding to Borderlands 2? It's this month, I think. It's maybe the middle of the month, something like that. Okay, well, that's no help, because this month is, like, we've still got, like, 28 days to go this month. Uh, It's, like, within the next week or two, but I I mean, I could be completely wrong, so... All right, Uh, so uh, then, uh, but next week we'll uh, definitely have some talk of... Dishonored and XCOM Enemy Unknown. Join us for that. Uh, Remember, uh, if you are purchasing things through Amazon.com, please uh, support Quarter to Three. Uh, We might make fun of what you buy, but we will not be able to make fun of you directly. And by the way, uh, also, McMaster, someone's doing construction. Someone's buying epoxy um, and drop cloths, and I I feel like someone's renovating his house or something, his or her house, through Amazon.com at Quarter to Three, and I really appreciate them Buying their supplies. Uh, or it's Dexter. <gasps> Whoa, I didn't think of that. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, it's probably not. And then... <laughs> so uh, join us uh, next week. We'll let you know what folks are buying on Amazon.com. We'll uh, have a bit to say about X- XCOM and uh, Dishonored. I am Tom Chick, and I have been joined by Jason B. McMaster. And by the way, Jason, I know people wonder this a lot. That B and B McMaster, what on earth does B stand for? It stands for Borderlands. McMaster, can I tell people what you asked me about this song before we started recording? <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't care. <laughs> so McMaster says, uh, just to let him know what song we were going to have, I played this for him, and he says to me, is that the soundtrack? For, is that from the soundtrack to the movie? <laughs> <laughs> not a big, I'm not a big clap fan. What can I say? <laughs> Take off, eh? (laughs) Uh, Maybe if we give the cops donuts, they won't like give us a ticket, eh? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's no slap shots, though, man.